So this morning we are continuing on, Neil started us off about two weeks ago, uh, on a series on the gospel. Um, And so most of us probably are here, if not all of us are here, because we heard some version of the gospel. And for many of us, that was a moment Um, That was a moment that was foundational in our journey of faith. It was the moment that started us off on our relationship with Jesus. And so that might have come in the form of a conversation with someone. It might have come in the form of being in church like we are today, whether you grew up in church or whether you came to church later on in your life. Um, Or maybe it looked a little bit different for you. Maybe you encountered the gospel in a different way. But each of us, for each of us, the gospel is the beginning of our journey of faith. And that makes it part of the foundation of our faith. So if I was to ask each one of you in this room, what is the gospel? It probably, your answer would sound a little bit different depending on who I was to ask. It's likely we would use similar words. We might use words like salvation or knowing Jesus or... um, Jesus died for you and he rose again for us. Having a relationship with God, all of those words or ideas might factor into it, but it probably would just sound a little bit different because each of us are a little bit different and our experience of the gospel is a little bit different. And so there's a number of reasons that impact that. Um, Our church tradition, what what church you grew up in, or if you even grew up in church at all, maybe you didn't. Uh, The family you were brought up in, how they spoke about the gospel, your interactions with other Christians, the types of books you read, the country even that you live in has an impact on how we view the gospel. There's so many factors that impact what we believe about the gospel and what we understand about the gospel. And certain cultures probably have a better understanding of what the biblical worldview was like than we do. Our Western world is quite far removed from what the world looked like in Jesus' time. And so there's so many factors that impact what we believe and see in the gospel. But all that being said, the gospel is still foundational to each of our faith. So I think it's fair to say that the gospel is both simple but complex. And so it's important for each of us that we have an awareness of the influence and factors um, of what influences our understanding of what the gospel is. And I think we all at times are probably guilty of adding our own little bits to it ourselves as we've taken things on or if we've heard things and um, allowed them to become part of what the gospel is. And they might not actually be in the Bible. Um, and so there's really so much to unpack in this series looking at the gospel. And so this morning I want to look at the gospel through the lens of this question. Joshua, could you put the first slide up for me? What was I made for? Um, so some of the girls I know went to see the Barbie movie last night. I know maybe some of you, some, if, there's probably very few people haven't seen it now, but maybe you are so one of those people. Uh, there is a song in the Barbie movie that's called What Were You Made For? So that's a loose uh, uh, inspiration for this morning. Um, and so I want us to ask this question, what was I made for? And it's not often that you get the answer this early on. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I think the answer is. And hopefully as we journey through this together, you will be coming to that conclusion with me. And so I want to suggest this morning that the answer to the question, what was I made for, is that I was made for the gospel. It's interesting how language develops over time. Um, If you have little ones in your family or in your life, you'll know sometimes that when they're learning to talk, they try to say a word, and sometimes the word sounds cuter the way they say it, so then you start saying it that way. Um, In our house, when I was little, 
Um, I called apples abadabbles, and so for a long time we called apples in our house were called abadabbles, uh, and eventually I grew out of saying that, but mum and dad still use it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they grew out of it too. Um, but the language develops, and uh, the same thing happens in church and in the world. Language changes and adapts over time as we use it differently. Sometimes people talk about church language as being like Christianese. We use words that are only used in a church setting. It's not the kind of language we always use outside of the church walls. Um, and there's, so there's lots of things that we, we wouldn't say um, in, in our everyday life that we talk about in church. And it's important then for us to look at the language we use. Um, because as language develops, um, just because we hear that language a lot or the phrases a lot, does it, is it the best way to represent what we're trying to say? And so sometimes the language, as it develops, it changes, and that can add a new spin onto what we're saying. And so just because something's not specifically in the Bible doesn't mean that it's not given us the essence of what's in the Bible, and it doesn't mean that we can only say exactly the words that we find in our Bible. But it's important that we're clear on what we're saying. We're fortunate that in English we have so many different versions of the Bible that allow us to have a better understanding of what the original words could mean. And there's so much value in that. But in doing this series on the gospel, I'm hoping that we will allow this time um, to strip back some of the things that we might have added on to the gospel ourselves. It's a chance for us to unpack what the gospel is and where our beliefs about the gospel have come from. Whether it's because we've heard it rightly or wrongly preached, whether it's something that we've misunderstood or understood, hopefully as we journey through this series, we'll come back to the root of what the gospel is. And so because we all have different journeys of faith, we all have different life stories, we come from different traditions, different understandings, our understanding of the gospel will vary with that. And when I was a teenager, it was quite common, or I remember being asked to do a sort of exercise where we had to try and come up with like a two-minute elevator pitch version of the gospel where you could explain what the gospel was just in a really short two-minute sample and there's something really beneficial in that because it's good to have an in, um, like a way that you can be succinct in your explanation of what the gospel is. But actually, I think um, Neil uses a, a term quite a lot where um, the, the kingdom moves at the speed of relationship. And so if we try and condense the gospel into two minutes, there's no relationship in that and there's no chance for us to unpack it together. And so we, I would worry that if we condense it into such a small amount of time that the essence of the gospel is lost. And often when it's that two-minute clip of what the gospel is, often the focus becomes about getting to heaven and not about what we do with our time here on earth. And yes, that's part of the good news, that we will be with Jesus one day. But if that's only what the gospel is about, then I think we've lost focus of the bigger picture. What happens when we're here on earth? What happens with our time here on earth? And why does it matter if it's all about getting to heaven? The gospel, if it's about getting to heaven, becomes an add-on to our life and not our purpose, not what we were made for. So this morning, I'm asking you that question. What were you made for? And so as we look through different passages of, of the Bible, we'll see what Jesus said about the gospel. And so the gospel literally means good news, and it's the good news of Jesus. But what was the gospel that Jesus was preaching? What was he sharing with his disciples? What did he prioritize in his messages? What was it that he wanted his disciples to share with others and share with the world after he left them? And so we're going to look at a few different um, 
verses that talk about that. And so while we're doing that, I want you to hold this question, what was I made for, in your mind? So there's four books in our Bible that we call the Gospels. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so each of the Gospels is a representation or as a collective of stories that tells us about Jesus' life on earth. Some of your Bibles might actually say in the heading, rather than just the name, they would say the Gospel according to. And it's something we can read and glance over quite quickly, but actually I think that's really important in our understanding of what the book is about. It's the gospel according to this person. So they've collated a selection of stories to help us understand Jesus' time rather than being too concerned about facts and um, a certain order. The gospel writers have collated a selection of stories to help us understand who Jesus was. And I think if they could only condense it into however many pages make up all the gospels, then I think it's a bit hard for us to try and condense it into a two-minute spiel. So... um, Even in the mix of the different variations within the Gospels, it reveals just who Jesus was. Even in their varying accounts and varying stories and varying language that they use, it reminds us that each part of that is a piece of who Jesus was. And it reminds us that God is a God of diversity. And so in the diverse telling of the Gospel, there's diversity amongst his people and he has a heart for each and every one of us in our diversity. So the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are known um, by scholars as the synoptic Gospels. And that's because they share a lot of the same stories. There's a lot of the same language. There's a lot of the same stories told, maybe slight differences, but there's a lot of similarity between these three. Um, And then John is a little bit different. He uses a lot of unique material and a lot of unique stories from from the first three Gospels. So Joshua, could you put up the next image for me? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this something like this before. These are called like word clouds. Um, and so someone, I, I didn't do this because it would take a long, long time, but someone put all the whole book of Mark, or Matthew sorry, into some sort of app or tool, and they generated this image. And so the bigger the word, the more times it's used in the book. So it's quite an interesting way to view the book because it gives us an idea of what some of the important words were or the most commonly used words were in this book. So in Matthew... We can see Jesus is probably the biggest word. Um, Disciples is big. Kingdom is pretty big. Heaven is pretty big. And so it can give you an idea of some of the themes that are running through the book of Matthew. So Matthew is seen as the most Jewish of the Gospels. It was written to a Jewish audience. Matthew focuses on Jesus being the king of the Jews. And his teaching is on Jesus being the fulfillment of the prophecies and the law of the Old Testament. So these these laws and um, prophecies were the basis of the Jewish faith. And so Matthew's main purpose in writing this gospel is to convince the Jews of the first century that Jesus was the promised Messiah. The The promise God had given their ancestors many years ago, Jesus was the promised one coming to answer these prophecies. Then if you go to the next one, Joshua, Mark's gospel, um, again, we can see here that Jesus is one of the big words, uh, disciples again, um, and you can also see, so Mark is sort of known as the, the, the quick gospel, <laughs> there's a lot of action happens in Mark, so we can see the word immediately is really big, and there's a lot of action words, so came, come, went, saying, enter, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things happening. Mark's not waiting around. He's not hanging around. He's getting through the story as quick as he can because he's got a lot to tell you and he wants to call you to action. 
So I actually believe that Mark um, was the, the oldest of the, th of the four Gospels and that Matthew and Luke took some of their source material from, from Mark. Um, but it's thought that Mark was written to, the, to a wider audience, so potentially a Greek, the Greek audience at the time. Um, and so Mark's not so concerned with some of the Jewish themes that we find in Matthew, but he is concerned about an individual choice, an individual call to action, asking the reader, what will you do with this information now that I have given it to you? Then we have Luke. If you go to the next one, Josh. And so here we can see Jesus and God, both really big. Lord is really big in Luke's. And actually, I don't know if you notice, but you need to sort of all of them up together, but there's a much bigger range of words within Luke's gospel. And that's because Luke's is one of the bigger gospels. And he goes into a lot more detail than some of the other gospels do. It's a lot more historical um, and educational than some of the other gospels. And Luke actually seemed to have put a big emphasis on trying to get the events into a chronological order. Again, this one's written probably to the non-Jews, the Gentiles at the time, and it seems to be written in a way to establish the believers in the teachings of Jesus. And then finally, we come to John's Gospel. And so you can see clearly, <laughs> Jesus is significantly bigger uh, than the other words. So John spends a lot of time talking specifically about Jesus, but again, we have God, disciples, know, Father, believe, world, uh, come, yeah, lots answered. Interesting, because Jesus doesn't answer a lot of questions, but um, John's gospel is different, and so it's written in a slightly different way. Um, there's almost something a little bit more poetic about the way John writes. Um, he uses some different stories, like we said, but he has a huge focus on the signs and the wonders of Jesus. And so, in some ways, John's is more of a persuasive gospel. He's showing the evidence of who Jesus is. That as we read through the book of John, we see in the signs and wonders and the miraculous that Jesus is the Son of God. So each gospel writer had a different intention. And that's important to know when we're reading. I mean, you can read them without knowing that, but it helps when you read to know that there is a different intention with each of them. So it means that when there's slightly different information given about the same story, we know it's not that there was a mistake or that it was because it was wrong, but that a choice was made so that we would better know who God is. And so far from contradicting each other, each of the diversities of the Gospels, each of the diversity of the Gospel accounts, reminds us that God is reaching a diverse group of people with his unconditional love. So the first place that we hear the term good news used within the Gospels is in Luke's Gospel. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. In the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So this is the angel announcing the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. The angel was announcing the good news that the Son of God was born and was going to dwell on earth, that God had come to dwell on earth among us, that God's kingdom was being brought to earth. At the start, so two weeks ago, Neil started off our series back in the book of Genesis, and he talked about how in the book of Genesis we see God bring light out of the darkness. And that's what we see mirrored here in Jesus. Jesus is the light coming to the darkness of the world. The Jewish people at this point had been experiencing a great season of darkness, a great period of turmoil. 
scholars talk about this as a period of silence because there's around 400 years between uh, the, book, the last book that was written of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. But there's a lot happening in this time. There's a lot of turmoil politically, um, socially, economically. Um, the Jewish people are waiting for their promised Messiah to come and save them from this darkness. There's a lot of unsettlement, a lot of instability, and a lot of differences of opinions within the Jewish community of what their coming Messiah would look like. And so it led to war, it led to separation within the Jewish communities, and different, as different people interpreted the different ways that they thought their Messiah would come. But into this confusion, into this darkness, God speaks by sending the light that is his son Jesus. God speaks sending his son to earth as a baby. God speaks by bringing his kingdom through Jesus to earth. And that is the good news that the angels were sharing with the shepherds. God's son was born here as a man to bring his kingdom to us. And so it's important that we realize that it's not just about getting to heaven, that our lives here on earth matter because God wants us to bring his kingdom here on earth. That's what we were made for. Jesus coming to earth was important because it reveals God's kingdom. And as we believe in the gospel and believe in the good news of who Jesus is, that he is the bringer of the good news of God's kingdom here on earth. So we were made for the gospel. And the gospel is the kingdom of God. It's, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is both now and not yet. And throughout the Gospels, the language that Jesus uses um, when he's preaching and he's teaching, it's often followed up by sharing the good news of the kingdom. Many Jews at the time believed that their being saved from darkness would look like some warrior Messiah coming to fight physical earthly battles on their behalf that would um, take out their oppressors, the Romans that had been oppressing them for a long time. And so they expected this warrior king, and instead Jesus came, and he spent time with the lost and the broken and the sick, and those that had been put um, to the outside of their communities. In Matthew 4.23, it says, Jesus went straight to Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. Jesus gave value to those people in society who the religious had avoided because of their sinfulness. But Jesus knew their value, and in bringing the kingdom here on earth, he made time for them and showed them that they had a place in the kingdom of God. And as we talked about earlier, there are things that we can attach to our beliefs, like the Jews had done, that aren't actually in the Bible. And that's one of the things that Jesus spent a long time in his teaching doing. He spent time unpacking what the Old Testament prophets really had meant. He taught in such a way that stripped back many of the unnecessary things that had been added to the gospel, the false teachings or the additional things that had been tagged on and replaced it with the words of God. Jesus reorients the Jewish vision for what their Messiah would be, and he can do the same for us. In John 18, 36, he says, my kingdom of not is, is not of this world. And then in Acts 1, 7, it says, so when they had come together, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus transforms the kingdom, showing its all-encompassing nature and scope and its redemptive mission that is not about winning physical battles here on earth, but about reuniting us with our Heavenly Father and our place in his kingdom, both now and in the time to come. And Jesus spent much of his time using parables to teach about the kingdom. Neil last week spoke about the parable of the lost sheep. And Jesus shows the power of the kingdom and his authority over the prince of darkness. Jesus not only declares the kingdom in his words, but he demonstrated it through his actions and his miracles and in the signs and wonders that he performed. And while on earth Jesus was teaching the people, he always accompanied the teachings by something practical like the signs and the miracles and the healing. It went hand in hand. He spoke and taught about the kingdom, but revealed it in how he treated those who were marginalized and how he treated those who were sick and how he treated those who were lost, who were broken, and who were isolated. And while the miraculous things are incredible, and he performed those miraculous healings, it was the value he gave to the individuals that he met who'd been considered outsiders that is really the miraculous thing for them to experience. He gave them the chance to belong to community again. He gave them the chance to be part of his kingdom. He gave them the identity that they had been waiting for. And that is probably the most miraculous thing. He gave them much more than just a physical healing. He gave them spiritual healing too. So what does it mean to bring the kingdom of God? What does it mean to share the good news of God's kingdom? If the good news is more than just we'll get to spend eternity with our Father in heaven, what does it mean here on earth? The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of the message of Jesus repenting in our turning back to God, redemption in knowing that we are accepted by God, and restoration that is offered as we give our lives to God, living each day in relationship with him because of what Jesus did for us and the eventual restoration of all of creation. The good news is that we can be united with our Heavenly Father here on earth, And even though we can become distracted and there's lots of things that can distract us, ultimately, God is inviting us to be united with him. And in being united with him, being united with one another. And so while our first encounter with the gospel can be a momentary experience, a momentary encounter with Jesus, it should be a lifelong transformative event that affects our whole lives. The kingdom of God was so central to Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. His gospel was sharing the good news of the kingdom. And if it was central to Jesus' life, then it has to become central to our life. Living with the kingdom as a central focus of our life should be transformative to each one of us each and every day. As we begin our journey, even as we began our journey with God, it continues to impact us each and every day. And allows, and something that we allow to inform not only our view of ourselves, but our view of the world around us. And with that, the people around us, the people in our lives. The kingdom of God is what we were made for, both here on earth and in the time to come. In Luke 17, it says, The coming of the kingdom of God 
is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is within us, and it is what we were made for.